You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and in yet another change to the ordinary way that we do things around here. The ordinary way. God, I regret saying that, but there's no time to edit. Um, This is not a non-com pod, nor is it a com-com pod, but it is instead Sindhu V returning to the podcast uh, to talk with me about our new podcast, Child Labour. It comes out on Global and will be available everywhere, as we shall discuss at length when it becomes clear that we don't know much about the back end of it uh, later in this episode. Um, You can subscribe to it from now. So search Child Labour with the UK spelling L-A-B-O-U-R. Child Labour, try and find that in iTunes or wherever else you have your podcast there should be a trailer up there now which you can subscribe to such that when the first episode drops on the first of june you can zap to it immediately and if you do i mean honestly if you like this podcast and you like supporting me and the things i do or indeed you're a huge fan of sindhu v and you can't stand me and you're only listening to this out of spite then either way please support the child labor podcast and the launch of it i should have said thereof then the launch thereof um by going to find the podcast where you find it and subscribe to it because then when we start bang loads of subscriptions straight away and that will help push it up the <laughs> it'll help push it up something i don't know what some sort of algorithm um in a way that i, I sort of feel like about eight nine years ago i had some or oh, seven or eight years ago i had some nascent understanding of algorithms and now i mean they change every minute so who knows but basically if loads of you jump on and subscribe to it if you'd like the sound of what you're about to hear and you think i could stand to hear more of that with brilliant and diverse guests like uh, not just jess foster q athena kuglenu and spencer jones as heard here in little mini clips that Cindy and i are about to reminisce about and discuss um, but also people like sophie aldred joe joiner arabella weir um, who else have we had? Quincy, Quincy Brome. What an incredible episode. Just a fabulous lineup, and I think you're going to love these shows. It's not that I set out to make ComCom for parenting, but I set out to make ComCom for parenting with Sindhu V, and this conversation will give you some sense of, uh, of what that is like and what the tone is, and um, I hope you have as much fun listening to this conversation as we did recording it and listening to the bits to which we listened. That'll do for now. Enjoy. We'll begin officially. Cindy, okay. welcome back to the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Thank you for having me. I've, I love being on this podcast and I'm so happy to be asked back. 
Um, so we are here today not just to uh, celebrate uh, our continuing friendship and our survival after the Cape Town Comedy Festival oh, was the last thing we did before the pandemic. And then we all flew back and got here and uh, you got here. You you were delayed by like 48 hours in the end. No, I wasn't. Everyone scrambled. else was. I Everyone else was. I jumped on a flight by chance. That was the last flight out for the next two okay. days. Gee, God, I bugged out early as well because I was panicking about getting back to my wife and child. And so we left and then everyone else got delayed on the way back delayed. just before the pandemic hit. So we're, we're, we're here to celebrate our, uh, I was going to say survival then, but that seems like a terribly no, inappropriate thing to say. You know, through the trials and tribulations, our comedy marriage is continuing well. Well, thank you, my comedy <laughs> wife. <laughs> so, um, uh, and let's let's just explain to the listener what we're doing. So, we, we, we're not just uh, here to have a chat, and we're not just doing Sindhu returns to Comcom. We are promoting. Uh, in fact, we're pushing. We're we're boosting the launch of our new podcast, Child Labour. It is absolutely the most exciting podcast because it's called Child Labour, and it's about having kids and having been a kid and parenting. But it's called child labor because, too, as we all know, it is very laborious. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Now, I'm concerned that having talked a big game when we came up with the name, and I, as I remember, I came up with the name <laughs> and said, and we were in a pub in North London in um, near Angel. Yes. And you were drinking whiskey, I remember, because I, mm-hmm. I remember being very impressed you were drinking whiskey. <laughs> I know That's sort of patronising, isn't it? But, <laughs> but I remember thinking, ah, oh, great, like... You've you've got it. You're steely. You're flinty in a way mm-hmm. that I really enjoy, and I think that comes through on child labour. You've also called rem- me a dark horse. Can we just point that out? Which I have love. I called you a, a dark Remember, horse. Remember, it one? was around the. Oh yes, yes, and, yes. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. What is a dark horse? And you were like, how do you not know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you have you have hidden depths. Let's simply say yes. that. Um, so we were in this pub and we had recorded a bunch of episodes, but we didn't know what the show had. We recorded any then? No, we no done nothing. no no. We hadn't. We hadn't. We'd done nothing. We'd had some back and forth chat about the fact that if we were to do a parenting podcast together, it would be different from all the others because I have two very young children. Mm. You have children of increasing ages. Yes. Uh, and it is a sort of a, a grown-up look at the whole, a, a sort of holistic look. I mean, it's not, but, you know, it felt like, oh, this is a good, this is a good matchup. Comedy yeah. wife, comedy husband, and yeah. very differently aged children. So it's not like we're both going into the journey of parenthood together or anything like that. No, and we're very um, different too. That was, I think, more of it. I was like, because, you know, the way you look at parenting is sort of, how can I do this to not hurt anybody? And I look at it <laughs> like, if you don't break some eggs, you're not getting an omelet, so fucking let's move it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And we were discussing names, and I think I said something like, "Oh, it'd be great if we could call it child labour." But like, not that, but something like that. And you were like, "No, we can call it that." And my point is that you really took the ball and ran with it in a way that then I was horrified to have suggested it. <laughs> I thought we'll get emails. Your angle was fuck them. And now I find whenever we mention the name child labour in a public context, you do some very deft walking back away from the joke where you go, because it is a labour of love, love. Or because it's very laborious. And in a way that I had not expected from someone, I thought your whole angle was going to be, it's called child labour, look me in the eye and then fuck off. But you're much more well, sort of subtle than that. Because the thing is, the only power that's sustainable is soft power. Oh, God, what is that? I mean, I love it. What does it mean? What that means is if you're going to come on too hard, too quick, too big, then you're a bully and your power is very brittle. What this is, this is a guide of how to be a dark horse. Precisely what you're saying. (laughs) 
So what I'm saying is this. I believe that child labor should be called, this podcast should be called child labor because of the labor involved, both actual labor, but also the labor of, you know, raising kids and also of having parents and all that stuff. However, if we present it like that, then it doesn't um, lull people in, they're always on the alert, like, oh, this is going to be something hard. Yes. So then you say, oh, labor of love, and isn't it laborious? You bring them in, you sit them down, they trust you, and then they listen to the podcast and they listen to some of my views and they're like, we want to leave, but we're very charmed. We don't know where what's happening. I have more. I need more. I need more. That's we want to leave. We want to leave, but we don't know where to go. go. We're exactly. in our own house. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's why I have to sort of, it's more diplomatic because, you know, soft power I think, is sustainable. Diplomacy is your middle name. I think you're very diplomatic. Mm. Um, And diplomacy, of course, often leads to war, (laughs) doesn't it? War is the extension of diplomacy. That that is your middle name. Sindhu, (laughs) war is the extension of diplomacy. And then I'm sorry, when you were originally on ComCom, I did bother learning your whole name. And I I, I feel like now that we are comedy wife and husband and we do this show together, I feel like I should have your whole name at my fingertips. But it is... It's easy. We're going to do it together. Are you ready? Okay, go. One, two... Three. Venkat. I can't. You say it once and I'll repeat it because I did learn it once. Okay. Venkat Narayanan. Venkat Narayanan. Perfect. You Thank see you. That? Venkat Narayanan. You see that in a good I had a marriage, whole mnemonic. I had a whole yeah. visual mnemonic to get all five syllables. But you know, like any good marriage, the things that you find hardest about your spouse, it takes a long time, but eventually you wrap your head around them and you think, this is what I went for. This is what I'm going to settle for. <laughs> so <laughs> I have nothing further to add. Um so the uh, the show itself what we're going to do now uh, on this this episode of Comcom which is secretly a child labor episode by stealth. We are going to give listeners to the comedians comedian podcast an exclusive look. It is exclusive if they listen to it within the next 6 days because it's some clips from the show that have not yet been released except here. Um, we've got three clips. We're going to talk to Jess Fosterkew. We're going to talk to, well, we're going to listen back to our conversation with uh, Jess Fosterkew, with Spencer Jones and with Athena Kublenu. And the, we've not really planned beyond that. We're going to listen no. to them and then listen back to them and re- reminisce and reflect about how wonderful it all was. Because so far we have nine in the can, don't we? We and do. Then- and I'm so excited about them. Yes, they're great. I mean, every single one of them, We it's so fun to come out to come out of a recording and then the guest leaves and then you and me and producer Neil, producer Neil of Josh Winnicom's show back in the day fame. Um, Such a joy to be working with producer Neil, but we all look at each other and go, I think that was a really good, that was really good, wasn't it? That was good. That was another really good one. And we get very giddy. And we're so moved by the things they've said about how they are raising their children and their pain and their love. And you just, when they leave, you're kind of all sort of vibrating. Because we've been yes. in, in those incredibly tiny recording studios, which I just want to point out were so small that there were times when you, me, oh, and we are producer not important. Neil, no, <laughs> we are like, not important you, in the you world me and of producer radio. producer Neil were literally like knee to knee. <laughs> Remember that? And the guest had to somehow be in there as well. But I think that really, those kind of enclosed spaces and all that emotion, it's a great podcast. The one thing I will say, and maybe only the ComCom pod people need to hear this is, on the banner, I look fine, but I feel like I wasn't alerted to the requirement to be like in full makeup that day. You know how much it bothers yes. me. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? When we did the photo shoot? Yeah. And then I didn't have like full makeup. I was just like in regular face. Oh, did they, they kind of sprung it on us. They said, now we're going to take some pictures. I don't know. Or but, did we know? I can't remember. Well, I didn't get a series of emails ahead of time saying you better yes, be fine, in full enough. TV makeup. What the, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then diplomacy, yes. uh, logical extension of what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Um, I agree. And but you agree I that, that I look like f- shit on the banner? No, I agree. I understand. I uh, yeah. Okay. No, no, I don't at all at all. <laughs> but I I think the problem with the banner is is uh, your problem with the banner is uh, more pertinent than you are letting on. It's not to do with your appearance. I think the banner picture for the show is an excellent likeness and gets to the heart of Sindhu V in a way that you are not comfortable with because it reveals that you are hashtag Mother Superior. Well, okay, fine. Maybe some of it is that. But if I'm going to have to reveal a part of myself that I'm not completely comfortable with, I'd like it to be in full makeup. Yes, fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. A sort of a covert uh, revelation. Yeah. Yes, I think, but I think that's, uh, I've had to, it's in the same way as you listen back to your voice and you hate it. No one likes listening back to the sound. Only a psychopath would enjoy listening back to themselves and seeing a picture of yourself, which is why there are so many psychopaths on Instagram. But um, (laughs) I do think that, like, I have had to accept it. I think that's one of the most painful things, can be one of the most painful things about comedy, is that I think in order to be a properly good comedian, you need to... Um, it's like being a clown. You have to own what it is that you are. And I'm terrible at owning what it is that I am. Ah, So when I see the picture of you and me in the child labour photo, I'm like, oh God, I look like this kind of bland goof. And I'm like, Stuart, you're a bland goof. Lean into it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I see. I see. Yeah, I see what you mean. I look at it and I think I look a lot more stern than I would like to let on and my eyelashes look like shit. Then you would like to let on. Yeah, that is exactly I'm my it. point. I'm owning yes. it. I'm owning it. Well, listen, let's talk to someone let's... else who's owning it. Yes. Um, God, that was a good segue. It's been a few years now and I, I can segue. You can. Um, uh, so we're going to listen to Jess Foster Q. This is a, just a three minute clip, I think, from each person. Okay, so I'm going to get Oh, on. good. Hang on one second. Someone's drilling. Um... This is all going to be edited out, right? Sure, well, it might turn out to be the best bit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here goes. Ready? Here goes. Here goes. I remember the one time I persuaded my dad to play a game with me, I begged him to play hide and seek with me, which I'm currently having to play with my son all the time because he loves it. Um... He went, okay, and I stood and counted oh, to 100, no. and I went out into the front garden, and he sat in a deck chair having a cigarette, reading a newspaper, <laughs> and I swear to God, I was like, I cannot believe you. And he went, oh, and he picked up a twig, like the skinniest <laughs> twig he could see, and he was smirking. <laughs> I didn't think you'd be able to see me behind this. I was like, you bastard. And I was cracking Jesus. up laughing because okay, the twig okay. thing was good, but it was like, oh, yeah, they were loosh. Yes. Loosh. That is like I I think in uh, in Britain in the eighties mm-hmm. there was a lot of pub kids right there was yeah, that was, was a, a that, real pub that was a thing that was like it's it's one of those things where you kind of go is like it's one of those things in life where you go was it just was were we all neglected back then or were we not neglected because everyone did that and it was a cultural thing it was cultural definitely one of the things you said was after you were explaining the things that your parents gave you one minute of time a day and then you went to the bookies and so on, you said, oh, I'm making it sound like I didn't have a very happy childhood. Yeah. Do you think children are happier because we're so focused? By the way, I didn't yeah. raise my kids like this because yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't raise my kids like this. I, they did what I did. My son went yeah. shoe shopping with me when he was very little um, and someone said to me, oh, they looked at me and they said, why is he here? And I'm like, because I got to do this. Yeah. Um, I've always me been too. like that. But why... Is it why is there danger that they'd be less happy if we weren't focusing on them twenty four seven? Where has this thinking come from? I just think it's in everything that you, all my peers, the way they're bringing up their kids, 
is to do loads of interactive stuff for them to take loads, pay loads of attention to them. I, I, I strike a balance. I basically, I, I sort of seen how I was brought up, seen some of the damage that it's, <laughs> it's done, done, frankly, and gone, okay, I really, you know, I don't want him to be looking for attention for me that he's not getting, but equally, I'm not going to, the, the reason why yesterday was like that is because I've not had a day by myself with him for weeks and weeks and weeks. He's okay. been in nursery and it's like, right, I've got this day, I've made a conscious choice, I'm not going to be doing sneaking a load of work in, looking at my phone. I'm going to go, yeah. right. And, I, and then you do end up doing stuff they want to do because four-year-olds aren't really into the same stuff as you. But he's still, I still dragged him around the supermarket. still Good. did the stuff I had to do. Always. He's always doing stuff I want to do. But it's just, I think there's a balance to strike. And it's just empathy, right? You go, right, what would a four-year-old want to do? And I love this guy, so I'm going to try and do some of the stuff that he wants to do as well, even though I find it shit boring. Yeah. Is it just on the subject of nursery, did mm. you go to nursery? Or is it that we kind of go, oh, I must spend time with them because our children go to nursery and mm-hmm. so the time's limited. Maybe in your own life, if you weren't being sent to nursery, that's why your dad was making you count to 100. Yeah, maybe. Although I was sent to nursery, uh, but oh, okay, I spent fine. a lot of time <laughs> with grandparents, mm. which I think doesn't, doesn't quite oh, um, yeah. tweak the same guilt Strings that um, that no, paid for childcare does. Thing, right? Oh, right? You're using the village. Hey, there, there, there. It's <laughs> but it's your family. It is your family. Great. Mine live miles away, and mine live miles. Busy and not yeah. But I'm just saying. I mean, I I think. I also think this business of... I don't think the kids are any happier. I think yeah. the kids are more entitled. Yeah, that's true, my, actually. What are we doing? My youngest one said to me, you never read me a story. I said, you can read. What do you want from me? You <laughs> can you read. you read your children's stories. No, I tell her stories on the way to school when <laughs> I'm <laughs> with her. When you, you say tell her stories. I know, that really sounded like... I mean, I tell her lies. Yeah. Do you I mean tell you tell a story. story? Do you mean you tell her what you're going to be up to that day? No, I tell a story. Oh, you know, this, there was an otter yeah. and a bear or whatever. Oh, like some stories. Nice. <laughs> there was... There, my, I um, to hear that the story literally goes there was an otter and a bear whatever yeah. <laughs> that's well, the end of story oh that's what bit... mine are like so my yeah. partner is an, an incredible writer and playwright and um, she started a terrible thing with my son when it, especially when he's got up out of bed and have to Got someone's gone to try and get him to go back to sleep of doing a, I'm going to tell you a, pi- a story without pictures and making up <sighs> these incredible rich stories from her imagination and that set the bar way too fucking yeah. high because yeah. now I, and I haven't got the patience for it but like can I have a story with no picture and you're like yeah once upon a time it's a cat called Joan he went in his shop and he bought a stick and he came out and then everyone's dead by the end I <laughs> yeah exactly think, I can't be asked. I, I over-delivered a couple of years ago when my eldest was two. <laughs> over-delivered? No, no, no. I did. What I mean is I ah, used to do big, yeah, long stories big like long that. Stories. And, and I really made, like, it was kind of like a fun improv game. I'm not yeah. very good at improv, so it was a real challenge. And I go, I'm going to try and make this story be yeah. meaningful and resolve in a satisfying way. <laughs> and then I realised that he's not going to remember any of it and he doesn't care and he's fallen asleep anyway. So now I'm under-delivering. Like, yeah. I feel like I really went hard on trying to yeah. tell great stories and I'm loving the expression on Cindy's face right now. <laughs> you know, I have to say, they've, they've also linked up this thing in school that if you read them stories, then mm. they become better readers. No, I'm the one who's reading. That's why I said to my kid, you want to be a better reader? Yeah. Pick up the book. Once she tried this with my mom, she said, <gasps> Granny, will you read me a story? And my mm. mother said, what is this? And I said, you know, it's this thing where you'd go at night and read them a story. She said, but why? I said, because it helps them sleep. This, that's not a concept yeah, right, yeah. in India. So really? She said, yeah, so, it's not a concept. No, no, because you it's an oral tradition. Right. You tell so them you a, story, tell a story. You tell a story. Oh, well, imagination. Or, or before sleeping, you sing them a bhajan, ah. a song about devotion. 
Okay. Oh. So you had to have good thoughts. Oh, wow. So then my mom came to me in the morning and said, "Is Garme ho kya What is happening in this house? Before sleeping, she's reading one story of one witch." And I said, "Witch? You know that witch, that one who's always doing something wrong?" Megan uh, Mog. Yeah, Megan Mog. No, no, no. The, I mean, they're all doing something. You know, wrong. If there's a story the, she, she's got only one cat. It it's a, like a little kid's book. Winnie witch, Winnie witch. That's what my mom said. This Winnie witch, Winnie the witch, Winnie the witch, Winnie witch. She is a, such a stupid witch. She doesn't have. <laughs> she doesn't have the correct thing. She doesn't. Have, I don't want this book. Then she said, "We'll do maths with you." My kids were like, "I don't need the book." No, I, but that's the point. It's like, who is wow, it helping? Can have a bit oh of bedtime maths. Bit of bedtime maths. Some bedtime calculus. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness me! What a lovely, what a wow, oh, God! How what a privilege to listen back to yourself having a great time. <laughs> and also, I mean, it really reminds Jess. Jess's energy is just she is ferocious. But it's like it's it's so like the stuff of of living and raising a child. It, it just you know it just drips off of her. Yes, it's, it's fierce. It. It's fierce joy, isn't it? I yeah, think we said yeah, at the time, it's joy. like fierce joy. It's, it's a fierce oh joy. Word. I loved it. I loved it. it. Really reminded me. I could have listened to her for hours and hours. And yes. also, I'll never forget you saying I over delivered to my children, <laughs> <laughs> like, specifically in the realm of stories. It's so funny listening to myself walk straight into that. <laughs> so, so what can we what can we say about that? I. I mean, obviously, like in terms of the, so that so that we have something useful and meaty to give them. Well, I mean, you know, we I don't know that we need to sort of analyze it in too much detail. But I tell you what I have missed is um, those little check ins when we were in the habit of recording one or yeah. two of them a week for a while. Um, and we would have little opportunities to check in on stuff that's been going yeah. on in our parenting lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had two such things. Maybe I'll share one of them with you, just tell bouncing tell. off the back of that. Talking about how we play with kids. I realised yesterday, two days ago, I had a, I've had a fantastic weekend. The regularity, the routine of being at home during the lockdown is one of the few very good things about it for me to not be going on 300 mile drives yeah. at, at incredibly random weird times is so great so i had a proper weekend with my kids with my family and on the saturday we're building a den downstairs and we've got this great corner sofa that we've had the room redecorated and it doesn't suit it anymore and i will not let us get rid of it because it's like a corner sofa which was always my dream <laughs> to nice. live in a house with a corner sofa but it's like if you're a kid it has eight cushions of different sizes oh, and lovely. firmnesses that can come off it you can build it you can turn it into anything and I realised we've got this great big bit of cloth that we've been using as a sunshade in the garden. And I thought, hang on, there's a hook over there. We don't know. The house came with a hook in the ceiling. We put mirror balls on it or Christmas stars or whatever. Um, and so I thought if we hook the cloth to there, then we can lead it down and connect it and we can build the biggest den we've ever built. And my son was like, no, look, yeah, he, he's in the moment. He's so um, contrary. He keeps saying yes, but also. But oh, it, yeah. it's not it's not yes and. What he means is no. And so he goes, yes, but also I want to do my one. And so we, I kind of was like, but you don't understand. We could lit, like, uh, what I meant was, I would have killed for this amount of building materials to make a den. I have some sense of what is possible in the world of den building and what is extraordinary. You do not, you four year old. Why don't you let me run this? Of course. <laughs> of course, of course he, uh, he inferred that, even though I wasn't saying it, because he was putting his foot down. And I actually stopped and said to him, I know what's going on here. I've just realized I'm sorry. 
what you want to do is you want us to build your idea for a den. Of course it is. I'm oh, really Stuart, sorry. can I just stop you? I thought at that point you would have learned something from me and you'd have said, I put my foot down <laughs> and said to him, dude, I know more about dens than you. Sit on your hands while I build Watch this Watch while I get this right. Because that's how I'm about all my children's entire lives, like A-level choices, O-level I know more. Even just yesterday I was telling them the same. But of course you're like, I put my foot down and I said, sorry. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was appropriate. It was an appropriate apology. Here's a Here's a question. When did you last apologize to one of your children? Mm. In fact, I was going to tell that story. So it's very, um, it's very timely that you asked me. We are psychically connected. I apologized to my middle child, who's a teenager, yesterday. Now, I just want to quickly put the concept of apology into context. Indian parents typically don't apologize to their children. But because okay. my mother trained as a therapist when I was 16, yes. she learned about apologizing and compassion and the fact that relationships with parents are two-way streets. And okay. so she was teaching me that by how she was parenting, except when it got too much, then she would put her foot down and be like, I will kill you. So it was a weird kind of combo for me. But I did I did understand that I felt very liberated from angst when my mother did say sorry to me, which she did. Um, so I was my 16-year-old and I were we were having breakfast. I just worked out. She was getting ready to go to school or something. And um and she said something and I said, yes. And then I had a very important text to send. So then I picked up my phone and I was sending the text. It was a very important text. And she said to me, I'm right here. And I said, I know. And she said, well, why do you have to be on your phone? And I said, I was doing something important. Like, what's the big deal? Like, it's not like I got up, told you you're a failure, punched you in the face and left. That would be terrible. I just got on my phone to send. I immediately was so defensive. And she said, yeah, but the fact of the matter is I'm still here. And even though I'm 16, it's nice to have my mother's attention. And she said it very sweetly. And I looked at her and I said to her, you know, it's so weird because you're the, you guys are the only things I think about. And she said, yeah, but I can't tell that through your head. It's, I mean, what you've done there is you've created yourself. Uh, But but you know what? I I immediately. I mean, she has been diplomatic and you've got to respond to that diplomacy in case it's war next, just like you would. Good for her. But good for her. And I said to her, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I'm making all these assumptions and I'm expecting that you just quote unquote get it. You're still my child. I can remember the day you were born. Of course, you're still yeah. my child. And what the fuck am I doing on my phone? I'm so sorry. And it's, please forgive me. I won't do it again. And she said, great. okay. Great. Great. Oh God. Apologizing to a kid is so great, right? Apologizing because you to say a sorry and they, they accept it. Yeah. And they and, go, yes, yeah, fine. Kid- we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have done the den thing, though. I'd have still made the den my way, just so you know, Stu, when my kid was four. But I feel like on the being on the phone thing, maybe the teenager yeah. had a point. Oh, but- man. With the, with everything that's happened in the news this weekend, and this, this episode is going out shortly, so just to recap, the whole Dominic Cummings thing is ongoing, and who knows if he's still going to have a job in a couple of days, and he probably is, and it's awful. But um, the uh, uh, I because of that, Twitter has been on fire with just fury and I've been checking in with it a lot more than usual I've been checking in with the news Sunday morning I was going oh how many how many conservative MPs how many oh seven now I was getting regular updates because a thing was going on that I felt invested in to an extent sure and and I have been in the last 24 hours overdoing the 
eating breakfast and subtly looking at my phone, hoping, oh, yeah. like holding it on the other side of the bowl so that they won't see it. And I've been busted once or twice and I feel like a piece of shit. And I've done a bit of apologising about that. It's That's been hard. Like I'm not normally, I, I as Jess was saying in that clip, the thing about like checking your phone, I think I'm pretty bad for that. I'm not, I mean, it all depends on your standard. I'm, I'm probably a bit down on myself naturally. So probably I'm not as bad as some people would probably calibrate great, bad for frankly. that. Yeah. But th- once or twice recently, I've been like, oh, God, I'm just like, I'm doing this again. Blech. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I have to leave my phone in another room. I'm considering doing that. I no, suggested- I just do it because I know, I mean, I own it. Like, I can't not be on it, right? And so I, and I'm, so I, what I do is if I know that it's that time, then I leave the phone in the other room and then I go down. And then anyone who's on their phone, I'm a born again Christian. I ride them so hard. <laughs> They're like, Christ. I'm called social media Sindhu by the children. Oh, uh, hey, yes, we're social okay. media Sindhu. And so yes. when I don't have my phone, I'm like those reformed smokers. I'm terrible. Yes, yes. Well, you know, oh, I'm like that. I'm do? a reformed I'm smoker. I'm their mother in this I'm life. like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a choice. Let's, uh, speaking of born-again Christians, that is a completely made-up segue. <laughs> speaking of the last thing we mentioned, um, let's let's hear another clip. This is from our wonderful friend, Spencer Jones. Who we love so much. So our questions at the moment are, is the way that kids are tested, this is like a nutshell thing, the way that kids are tested the way they teach kids to learn how to read is now phonics-based, which it wasn't when I was a kid. And they're tested at five or six. They're tested again. And those tests, you know, if you've got a parent who is very much into the school system, will force their kids and train their kids and pressure their kids as well as the teachers to make them get through these... I mean, um, I would say most mother, most South Asian parents. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 because you think that yeah, that's the best way for the kids and because they're the most important thing in the world of course let's and get them education to us is everything even yeah. if it ends up being meaningless but you have to do well because that it's yeah. a kind of a building block in our uh, well absolutely education should be but the, how you educate kids we and, just follow the rules exactly exactly you follow the rules and the rules which we currently have in this country <laughs> are made by certain people who maybe i disagree with you know yeah, you go yeah, to sure, sure. go to I, you look at like Finland and Denmark, you know, their kids aren't starting to read and or having, doing that until they're about eight. And if you look at what comes out the other end, <laughs> they're doing it pretty well. Yeah. But these are, you know, that's a different country. Um, so we, me and Ruth aren't sure at the moment is what I'm, gonna, is what I'm saying. Sonny doesn't like school. Um, although the last couple of weeks, because they're learning about Florence Nightingale, suddenly he loves it. Well, yeah, I know Florence Nightingale. I have to go to that museum because I have a kid. <laughs> yeah. and, and I've I mean, got all of this to yeah, come. Uh, I had I to go to that museum, and I remember they were talking, and all the kids dress up and they sit down, and the little then the lady does the thing, and yeah. she says, and um, and uh, Florence Nightingale was very kind, mm. and to the people that were in a lot of pain, the soldiers, she sometimes gave a little bit of gin. Mm. My kid jumped up and said, "My mom loves gin," <laughs> and it became the, the thing. But what I wanted to ask you is this: No kid really likes school. Do you know what I mean? I know I've never met a child who likes going to school. So do you think that's enough of a reason to not let them go to school? I, I think if a child hates school and if it makes them cry before they're going into school and they're walking around going, please, I just want to live in the jungle. Oh, God. Okay. Is what he says. Then I think there's probably something there. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. I think some kids do like school. I think no, some, some, some do kids do. Eventually. No, no I, one wants to wake up and go to school. Oh, I don't know. Up. Me and my wife argue about. Well, we don't argue. We have differences of opinion about this. I hated school. Mm. I, I don't think I was quite crying on the way there, but mm. I was internalizing it all and becoming very sad for a long time. I hated school. Mm. My wife absolutely loved school. Mm. So now we're having a thing where 
every time I like I, I see my son who's going to be going to school next year as needing protected. Mm. He, like we've got to somehow look out for him and, and you know we've got to teach him to sort of defend himself emotionally and maybe physically. And mm. my wife's just looking at me like, why would you? Yeah. Why would you need to yeah, do? Yeah. He doesn't have to go to Warwick School in 1987. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. like, you know, I get that. Yeah. But he, it is a jungle out there. And, mm. and in, in regard to the, the educational part of it, I, all I know about phonics is it's going to drive me absolutely insane. Mm. We're teaching him to read at the moment in mm. the way that we were taught to read. And all of our parents who are, who've got kids, a couple, our parent friends who've got a kids a couple of years older than us are all going, Oh, you're going to go absolutely nuts mm. when they keep, ticking stuff that's wrong you're teaching him to read already how old your boy uh nearly four, nearly four. wow that's impressive. he can recognize a bunch of words that's yeah me. i mean my yeah. son he could write his own name but yeah i i just think you know when the apocalypse comes it's going to be better that he can ride on a skateboard yep <laughs> correct. correct i can't, I can't argue with that very good i mean i think that's true i have to say i was terribly bullied at school so for years i hated it ah. but then i changed schools because my parents changed countries and my mother's attitude was always to give us no information. Mm. And then we'd be on a plane and we'd get somewhere. And she said, this is your new school. Go there now. Yeah. So you would just well, show how, up. How old was the, was the, uh, the, sec- the second school? How old uh, were you, sorry? So we moved back to India. I was 10 and a half. I didn't speak any Indian languages. And yeah. I had an American accent. And yeah. I thought, I just, we just showed up. My mother said, there's your school. There you and go. I had no uniform. So I got, it was horrible. Even the nuns were like, why are you in the school? You had one. I was like, I don't know why I'm here. Oh, oh God, you're... you're in a new place. Apparently, this is my new school. And then and I... nuns come around the corner. No! <laughs> no, because it was a convent. But I tell you what, it made me very resilient. Yeah. And I wonder if that hasn't been a huge boon later in life, that kind of resilience. And sometimes I ask, and of course, I'm from a... Look, I grew up in India at a time when it was absolutely unreconstructed, you know, parenting, and that to Indian, and that to my mother. Just layer on layer of crazy. But um, I asked her, I said, you know, are you happy that you... Looking back, given how tough I've become, are you happy? And she said, well, it could have gone either way. You could have become lunatic, or you could have become like this. Yeah. Kind of lunatic, but quite good. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? But what if I'd become a lunatic? And she said, well, I had to take the chance because yeah. I didn't want to make you so brittle you broke every time something difficult happened. That's a one way of parenting. Yeah. It's a huge risk. Yeah, yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's the end of the clip, and you're miming oh at me. God. I'm talking too much. You're God, not talking too much. Love this thing. No, 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 no. Ugh. No, no, no. That's fine. Listen, you, you, we're not simply. This isn't comcom. This is comcom. But this, the show, child labour, isn't the comedian's comedian. We're not trying to be invisible. It's about Still, our personalities I, and our journey and stuff. And listen, I, every time, go on. You say. I think. I think. I think. There's something to be said here for. You know, I'd never done a hosted a podcast and I think I was lucky to host it with you because I learned every single time there's an art to making space for your guest which I obviously had not learned when Spence came on because <laughs> it was every only time Spence said something <laughs> yeah I was like oh that let me tell you a five minute fucking story and not listen from you I mean I lit if I was listening to this I'd be like I what a pushy bitch like I would no 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 and I and I tell you what I tell you what the 
the references to your mum and the life of your mum in the in the conversations that you're having is just I was there when you were saying those things the first time yeah. and listening back to them now is very beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will what this reminds me of this listening to Spence and you is that I was asking Spence some pretty tough questions. You were. You, know, you have someone who's saying my kid doesn't like school, and I'm like, well, that's not a good enough reason not to send them, don't you totally. think? Totally. And and God. And that speaks volumes to the fact that Spence made me so comfortable. You know, there's some guests who think, oh, I don't want to ask a question they might take, but Spence was so open-minded about He's it. He's so you know? open, isn't he? Yeah. But that yeah, is yeah. a beautiful thing, and I think his children will benefit so much from that. But just listening back to this, I was reminded of the episode, and I literally am going in. I'm like. Education is a good thing, blah, blah, blah. I'm asking tough questions and he's not at all defensive, which he shouldn't be. But you can see how some people would be because questioning people on their child rearing is the hardest thing. And I don't know if I was questioning his child rearing. I was questioning some of his comments. And I just feel really lucky that he didn't say like, get mad, but he wouldn't. Well, it's really interesting because I think listening back to that, um, and I didn't know you were doing this at the time, but listening back to it... and. I'm not even suggesting you did this deliberately, but you did kind of you softballed a funny you. There was a funny comment about halfway through that clip. There was a funny little comment and uh, it kind of warmed him up. And then you went in with quite a tough yeah. question. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, dark horse. Once again, turns out <laughs> loads of interviewing experience somehow. <laughs> well, I don't know. But I just and I mean, I have to say, I think I did. Spence, Spence was so open hearted about his children about how he's raising his children why he wants yes. to raise them like that which is actually one of the things about the podcast that I really like because this is not necessarily a aimed at being a ha ha isn't parenting a bunch no. of jokes oh look it's so difficult no it's really about people who are in our space raising kids and us sort of it's a, it's almost like the kids are on a play date and we're having a talk and everyone's had a bit to drink you yes, know, it's that kind of thing, and I really love that. I think it really came out here with this, with the, I mean, it came out with all the interviews, but with the Spence one, I really feel like that. You know, he, in particular, Spencer is he's like he's like it's like talking to a rainbow, isn't I it? Know. Do you know what I mean? He's just oh so God. full of light and love and all of this joy, and you see his work in the context of his work. You're like, yeah. oh, of course, that guy would make all that stuff, which yeah. is absurd and beautiful and all the rest of it. So uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. I and you know, yet I would go to Spence if I was in trouble and I would know he'd be solid. Yes. Isn't yes. that funny? It's a real solid rainbow. He's guy. a very solid That's rainbow. That's hashtag solid rainbow. Solid <laughs> we should, rainbow. Hey, we should probably know what the, um, I like, I haven't prepped. I've not written anything down about the sorts of things that we should point to, that we should be pointing out to people. We're going to tweet about the show. We'll, pr- I mean, we're going to use the hashtag child labor pod. I suppose we'll have to, won't we? Because we've yes. got those social media accounts, but we've d- taken a group decision uh, that we're going to use our own social media accounts and yes. simply tweet with hashtag child, child labour pod. pod. And that we're using the UK spelling of labour and the uh, yeah. universal spelling of pod. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but also, where, where do we direct people? You can get it on the go, the global player, whatever that is. Um, but I assume that's an in-house app for global and everything they do. But you can also find it wherever you get your podcast. So it's launching on iTunes. On now, is it? Is, what are they doing? Isn't it the first of June? It's the well, it's the first of June. But there's supposed to be a trailer, and I look for it today. And the trailer comes out a week before the show. So I wonder if the trailer doesn't launch on the first of June, and then. It's actually the following week. So it's like the trailer is there so that people can subscribe to it. And then the I following week. I thought the trailer week, comes out today. 
Just for the people on CompomPod, this is is how organised we are about the ad. Do you know what? No, 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 you're right. And I thought that earlier on, I searched for it on Apple Podcasts, but it obviously hasn't come out yet Yet. because it is only lunchtime on Monday. Mm -hmm. So so what we can then instruct the listener to do uh, is that you, yes, you listening to this, you can now subscribe through whatever podcasting medium you in, in whatever way you operate subscribe to child labor as of now and then monday the first that's when the first episode drops and it's with arabella weir that's what right. i mean that was a stormer she's a stormer and that, that was, a, was stormer. a stormer i mean that was really like we were like okay this is our first one and then it just like blew the roof off and we were like oh my god oh, because oh yeah also i i wasn't sure whether english people would speak so openly about their feelings you know i mean oh no arabella offense. does yeah yeah arabella <laughs> i was like she's gonna talk about her feelings and that was really yeah. really good by the way and i don't know if this is for comcom pod i'm going to so when the can we put the trailer on our um social media already uh, I don't know. I found that thing called headliner, and you have a banner, and then it does. Yes, yes. Neil's going to do loads of them. And this is listen. We'll keep all of this in. I haven't got time to do any editing, so <laughs> unless you <laughs> okay, say I'll something terrible, no, no, no. no. I mean, hey, listen. Is it, they, this has a certain post amble quality. You and me going. What the fuck are we doing again? Aren't we a couple of cats that like we've we've sort of got this? Hey, yeah, we know what we're going to do. And then as soon as Neil stops hurting us, we're like, what are we? When is there an email? <laughs> um, and also, I just want to say. I wish us for a moment this thing could have gone into video and people could have seen that when Spence said, when the apocalypse comes, I oh guess God. skateboard it. You almost passed out. Oh, my God. I'd already been thinking um, uh, in the light of, because at the time my son hadn't turned four yet. So this is like end of 2019. And, uh, we, you know, we got a bunch of these in the bag to now start uh, whapping out. Um, it's a podcasting expression, as you know. Um, the... Uh, uh, he so he'd only just started learning to read. Now during the lockdown, under which we labour, this being the end of May 2020, um, my wife has been teaching him to read, and he can now write his own name, and he can I he can that. write his wonderful penmanship. It's great. You'd be very impressed. We'll get him to write you a letter. Um, but uh, oh, it's just it's joyous. Um, but then, so I was already I had that in my mind, and then they said when the apocalypse comes, and I'm like, oh no, you're right. Skateboarding would be good now that the public transport's choked. Um, but no, uh, but he needs to write signs. Don't come near me. <laughs> Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> Zombies here. Zomb- no, help. but when I saw your face, I was like, oh no. I thought. I mean, you literally didn't look up and you didn't breathe for like I think yeah. a full twenty seconds. Oh my god! Listen, we're gonna we've got one more clip, and then mm-hmm. after that clip, we'll. We'll come out of that. I've, I asked in the, the ComCom Facebook group this morning for a few follow-up questions, given that if this isn't Sindhu V Returns, then Sindhu V Returns will be in a few years, I would imagine, before you're on ComCom again. So there's a couple of burning issues, questions that are ComCom-esque questions, which we'll ask, which I'll ask you and we'll talk about after okay. Athena. Okay, so we're going to do Athena now. Okay, hold on, there we go. And here we are. Talk to me about uh, confidence and about your mental health, because you the situation you've described, obviously you're a year away from that now. Yeah. And you are very get on board the Athena train, right? <laughs> you, you, you've got incredibly kind of bubbly, confident personality. Yeah. I would imagine it, over that last year, it's been a, a roller coaster. Or has it? Have you managed to kind of maintain that Tiger Mum vibe throughout the whole year? So I, I, I've maintained it, but in the beginning, I'll say it was a, con- a total front total and I reflect on the first the first three months and I think I had PTSD um and I know that because I had I I always dream every night I dream but the nightmares I had especially in the first month I I was afraid to sleep like massively so but I had so much going on had this dad who kept coming round do you know what I mean it was like he you know he said he wasn't into it but why you keep coming round do you know what I mean I had this I had the 
oh man, my my brother, my older brother has been like a pillar. He's this childcare and all this stuff, but my gosh, he just wouldn't go away. <laughs> and all I want to do is breastfeed on the couch with my tits out. And you know, yeah. and it's just, this guy just keeps coming around and he's, he sees say things like, oh, if you need, if you want me to take the baby and go for a walk and give you a break. And that's the last thing you want as a mother. You want, you do want this baby attached to you all, all the, the time. time. And that's fine, but we never had a baby in our family before. So we didn't know all this stuff. Um, and then um, my baby had outpatient appointments. So I was having to, and you can't drive when um, you've had a C-section, C-section and my family don't drive. So I'd have to take these buses to this hospital because I'd moved house and so the hospital wasn't near me. So that was annoying. Um, it, you know, it takes a lot, you have to be very brave to take your newborn out, you know, letting them on a bus, you know. And then, and then I popped my stitches. Um, nice. oh my so I climbed, out, I climbed out of bed one day and I felt this pop, pop, pop. And then literally like about 30 minutes later, I looked around, there was just blood everywhere. And I did training blood around the upstairs of my house. I hadn't realised. So I had to go to hospital for that. So all this stuff was happening. I was like, I had to deal with it. I didn't, I, it was like I couldn't afford to be fragile, even though I knew something wasn't right. But what happened eventually was, I don't know what happened. I just kind of thought, I can't I have to do all this stuff. I have to act like I know what I'm doing. Uh, and then I get like, and then the Gorty Feminist calls, says, do you want to come down? Yeah, we want to pay you this. And I guess, like, I guess I do want to come down. <laughs> I need that money. Yeah. So um, I think I didn't really adequately switch off, but I, I think I just got through it, I think. So there's probably something to be said about being resilient as much as anything as a learning from that story. Um, but um, but what really helped me was I used this resilience to just get out. So I would lunch dates with friends. My friends were great. They were just coming over to like take my mind off it. They'd come over with food and chat and stuff. So that helped. But I think in, in hindsight, I would use my confidence or my uh, my feigned confidence to just be really clear about what I want from the people around me. Yeah, okay. I, think, I don't think we. I don't think my family knew what to do. We we don't have babies in our family. The first sure, meal. sure. Yeah, and, no, and when you have people around you who are who want to, to help, mm. that can be really useful. Yeah. But if they start pushing all that energy in a way that isn't kind of trained <laughs> or kind of directed in the right way, I'll tell you what the most. Uh, frustrating thing was I so I just thought you just breastfed your child if you could because some people can't and they feel sad about it um so my mum was just anti-breastfeeding because my mum's from Guyana where all you know Karen Gate would have gone to Guyana which is for all intents and purposes when she was growing up a developing country and said don't breastfeed your kids use this milk okay all these companies are quite disgusting in the way they they promote their services then she came to the UK in the 60s and 70s the NHS in the UK was like don't breastfeed your kids no one breastfed in the west in the 60s no 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 Mm. one did it they take your baby away bleach them down, give them back to you with a bottle, and that's the end of it. And that, again, my mum hadn't engaged with babies since she'd had me. So when I said I was breastfeeding, she just couldn't get over it. She was just like, you know, uh, give, I don't know why you're doing this. So she, it, the breastfeeding only works if the people around you are supportive because this baby's attached to you all the time. So if they're not supportive, you feel like an idiot. And your you milk think, dries up. Yeah, your milk that's dries up. But also you think to yourself, maybe they are right. I'm literally latched onto this child 16 hours a day. And she was latched onto me 16 hours of the day she literally she was a guzzler she of definitely course. the apple does not fall far from the tree I'll tell you that much damn it's like can't you take after your dad her dad doesn't eat nothing I was so upset <laughs> uh, 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 oh bless her oh that's so juicy oh god but, I really 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 identified with her saying I didn't have a choice I had no time to be fragile yeah and I yeah. think nothing has you know from for me when I I used to, ha- I started having terrible panic attacks and stuff when I quit banking. Um, and I couldn't, I got agoraphobia and I couldn't be in a lift. 
but I had a young child, so I would make sure that the ba- that he was in the room, and then I was invincible. Because mm. in front of my child, I can't be fragile. Mm. He needs me to be strong. That's so w- yeah. That's like um, he's kind of like an amulet, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's like no, a kind of. It's what we call kavach in 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 Hindi, which is an armor. Yeah. So right. my ba- armor, baby armor. Yeah, I guess my armor was the undeniable idea I had that I had to be strong. I can't fall apart in front of my kid. Yeah. And that helped me leave the house. Or- and that kind of imagery is really important for resilience, isn't it? Having like a mental touchstone of just going, this is this is how I'm framing this yeah. experience. He's yeah. here. I'm protected. This is my armor. I'm going to go and do it. Because Athena strikes me as one of the most resilient people I've I ever know, met, right? who is just like a rubber ball. She's just bouncy, full of energy and completely impervious to attack. Yeah. But I guess the thing is, at the time, she didn't know that she was doing it like that. But then afterwards, she looks back and says, yeah, yeah I guess I was just couldn't fall apart. You know, and there's something about having children that makes you reach in to yourself and bring out qualities that you would never have. And that's why I keep saying it's laborious. I don't even know why people are like, well, why are you calling it child labor? Because it's No, labor. literally no one is saying that. No one said okay. that. <laughs> we're, 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 we're putting that in the mouths of critics that actually currently don't exist. Um, <laughs> give them a week. <laughs> give them a week. But, you know, I do think that it's a, it's, it's a labor. And I wonder, though, Stu, whether we're going to look back and I think I wonder if having children has made me I think it might end up making me a better version of myself. Of course it has. Does it always? Of course it well, maybe not always, but I think it's how it's that's how it's supposed to work. Is it? Isn't it? I'm definitely a better version of myself. I mean, I'm more aware of my flaws. And I was pretty aware of my flaws, and now I'm more say, aware of my is flaws. Is that even but, possible? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think it's supposed to, right? The child teaches you. That's the that's the whole. Surely there's some. I mean, I don't know. Is that just kind of poetic for the sake of it? No, you teach the child. The child teaches you. You definitely end up a better person. Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, like, definitely. You know me. For me, like, I want to be more formidable. Because I had a kid. <laughs> I don't know about better, but I want yeah, to be okay. more formidable. I want to be yes. more strong. You want to be more great and terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to be, I want my emotions to have more elasticity so I can take more pain, but come back to more love. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's well put. Write a book, mate. That's what they're like, these kids. Did you see right now in a recording, one of them came in and I yes. turned around and I put up my finger like you this. You put up one finger like this. It was absolutely it thrilling. It just went like this. That didn't that didn't send her away. She just stood there and she made several different eye movements, which made it clear that either this was going to turn into something where I had to get up from this. Or, yes. So I then went and I put my finger down. She came, picked up her piece of paper and left quietly. Very good. Very good. It's puppetry almost. <laughs> puppetry in motion. You were, I, I was expecting the gesture for tight slap, but it no, never came. No, it was just, no, no. no. There, was, there, was, there was no need because she knows to open the door very silently. Yes. In the past, she would have just stormed and said, mommy, mommy. And then, you know, plus I'm not going to be on a podcast giving anyone a tight slap. Okay. No, fair, that's, fair enough. That's sure. just not something I do. I'm and listen, if I could it, be, I don't do if it. I, if I could be bothered slash had the time to edit this, I would definitely take out me saying that, but I'm afraid it's just going out now. So listen, let, let's, let's wrap up. Okay. Um, let's wrap up. 
Child Labour is uh, available wherever you get your podcasts, as we have established, from the 1st of June. Uh, the trailer we believe to be out now, but we're not sure. And hey, look, we're not producers. Um, isn't it nice to have someone to lay all this on? Producer Neil is the producer, and it's made by Global Radio, or just I think it's just called Global. Do you Global. know their website? I looked it up. It's global.com. Imagine that. that. That's like, bang, universe.net. Wouldn't well, that be a shame if you got, <laughs> if you got something <laughs> huge and then you just had to settle for .net? Or .co.uk. No. Yeah. That's like when Absolutely. the Americans call baseball the world championships. Like, yeah. what? It's the same thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely everything in the world. Co.uk. <laughs> right. So listen, uh, there's two questions. One okay. of them, they're both very, they're both very com com. One's about you. One's about me. Okay. Um, so this is a little uh, thank you for listening to com com people. Um, but I think, but I, I sort of had it in mind to structure this so there'd be a little tease of a thing at the end because I felt like oh this is a bit of a plug, but it's not a bit of a plug. This is great content. So shut up, haters, um, haters who don't don't exist, but exist only in potential until yes. as soon as the thing is released exactly. um uh damien titchborn damo big fan of the show big supporter says we saw pat oswald's only uk gig last year and were delighted when sindhu turned out to be the support act how was that day for her now you may not know sindhu Patton is one of my very favorite comics of all time so it may have meant more to me that you did it <laughs> than it meant to you i've no idea of your relationship with pat or uh, what that meant to you how was that gig I mean, what can I say? It came out of nowhere. Uh, my agent rung me and said, he's coming and he'd like you to open for him. And I, from the moment I had that phone call till the moment I got off stage, I was so incredibly stressed and so nervous because I'd never opened for anyone big. And I think- Where Pat was it? Was, what room was it? Was it the Apollo? No, it was the, it was in Kilburn. It was okay. the, um, oh, come on. It's a famous name of a theater in Kilburn. Okay, the the Kilburn Famous Theatre. Okay. Yes, the Kilburn Famous Theatre, <laughs> and um, and I I, I was I, I I was so I was so nervous that I would be shit, but also I understood that people had come to see Patton, and so you know if you come to see Patton Oswald, maybe then you should see someone else you kind of know. Yes, and I, sure. I show up, but then um, and I so I got there and I went. Um, I was arguably as nervous for that as I was for my Apollo. Oh my god! Yeah, for sure. Why? Why? Why was that so nerve-wracking for you? You're normally very composed. Well, on the outside. Yes, but why? Okay, so why? But compared to most of your gigs, why was that? You've done big well, because, gigs. You've done big tour shows. What? Why? Well, it was, was pre it the, all that. You have to remember. Okay, okay. So I had. Uh, but, you go. Thank you. Um, but was it the fact of um, the fact is the idea of someone else's audience? Like, had you done support before for anyone? Tez. Or was. Tez, okay. Okay, but you, that's kind of wheelhouse, right? British act with like, yeah. there's got to be crossover in your audiences, one would assume. Whereas my fear for Patton would be like, oh, he's going to have Patton's audience. That's like, what my fear was. I, well, I, think, yeah, right. I, think, I think the only fear that I really ever have when I'm going on stage is the fear of what my peers will think. And yeah. Patton's not a peer, but he is a, a sort of a supra peer. You know, sure. he's, he's in that pantheon that I one day hope people will put me in mm -hmm. of, you know, great comics. And so I thought, this guy has asked for me. He's going to be listening to me. It was him, mm. you know, mm. and he's going to listen to me. And what if he doesn't think I'm funny? Because that matters mm. a lot to me is what my peers think. Yeah. You see, not to say that I don't care about my audiences. I love you. I love you much more than my peers, for sure. But it's more that the audience is all, you know, 
with with audiences you get another chance maybe you can gig again you know what i mean but with your peers it's that first oh, time oh good point good so point because they make up I, their mind this isn't why i brought up this question from the selection that we had uh, on the facebook group but uh, i have also opened for Patton and also felt the similar kind of pinging off the walls i was in la for a podcast festival and okay. i knew i was doing that at the end of the week so i had four days to get absolutely out of my mind with nerves about it Oof. because i just respect his fucking opinion so much and i just suddenly i was thinking of there's almost there's an exercise that's come up in the past um somewhere on the podcast or someone said it or i heard it from somewhere else um which is that you should take all of the the jokes that you would do in front of your favorite comic, write them all on post-it notes and throw away the rest of your set because that's your good stuff. Right. And suddenly I completely inhabited that mentality of going, not that I did that, but I kind of went, Oh God, I really, it's making me microscopically analyze every breath that comes out of my mouth because my hero is listening. Yeah. And you know, not hero, but yeah, kind of, yeah, hero. you know, I mean, he, you know, he's one of the comics that I really, um, uh, really admire. So, so for me, I was incredibly stressed and I, um, but then when I got there and I met him, he was stressed. Mm -hmm. And that to me is always mind blowing that someone yes. that good and that famous who was like that awful guy on Veep, he yeah. was the, you know, that he yeah. can still feel nerves. A, it's a sign to me of genuine talent because, yeah. you know, he's always reaching inwards. And making it real and new. There's something always at stake. Always. Yeah. And the second thing about him was that he he put me at ease. He said, I think you're going to be great. And he sort of immediately brought me into that personal, like it was like a metaphoric green room where him and I were the comics. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, are we going to be okay? And that was a beautiful thing. And then I thought, right, I owe it to this gig and this person to stop, well, to not inhabit my fear, but inhabit in, inhabit my uh, my comedy, yeah, and to believe in it, and to believe, and yeah. to say those things I say to myself, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't funny. Da 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 da. All those yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. And just live in that thing. And then I went out and I did the gig, and I think it went really well. And I mean, you know, but once you're on stage, that's it. You're not thinking anymore. You're just on stage no, sure. doing your thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. what it was like. I mean, it was incredible. I, between that and Apollo, which were not very far apart, I don't think I was as nervous for both. With Apollo, I was worried about that sign going up in the smoke because I thought I would vomit into the smoke. <laughs> That was my big fear. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. And they would just insist upon leaving it in the edit <laughs> to spite you. Thank you, Sindhu. What a Thank wonderful you. answer. That was a great question. Thank you, Damien. Um, Sheila Lewis asks, and we'll, we'll round up on this because it's incredibly stew-centric, and, and you can feel free to answer this as briefly as you like. It tickled me. Sheila Lewis asks, Sindhu, if you were Stu's therapist... What advice would you give him? <laughs> I am Stu's therapist. Have you not noticed? <laughs> <laughs> I would tell Stu to own his desire for greatness. Oh, own your desire for greatness. Yeah, that is what you'd tell me. It is what I tell you. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what I'll do, but that is what you would tell me. 100%. Oh, my desire for greatness. Yes. Thank you. And also, I think, can I just jump in and finish that by saying that there is this weird thing sometimes, and Stu and I have talked about this, where to be great is to not, to, to be great is, does not exclude being humble and compassionate. 
You see, we sometimes think that greatness means you don't give a fuck about anyone else. Sure. Greatness okay. in your yeah. lane, in your lane, greatness yeah. doesn't have to exclude all the things that you love, which is being generous, being compassionate, thinking about other people, empathy. Not to say I don't care about those things, but you think about it a lot more. Let's be honest. <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> fair. So, that, so coming from that place, I would say is to own your own desire for greatness. What a wonderful half child labor, half com com way to round this off. And um, thanks to everyone that commented with questions. Uh, thank you, Cindy. What I'm not, th- hey, and I, I don't need to thank you because this is our thing, right? Yes. Yeah, but thanks. Yes. Um, thank uh, I can't wait. I really want the show to, to be a success. I want people to listen to it. And I, but it's one of those things where, and this is, this to me is the mark of we've done a good thing. It's, it's like with my own podcast, with this podcast, I, um, it's, I want it to be a success because I'm so proud of it rather than because I need any of the trappings of success. I just want fucking loads of people to listen to child labor. I think it's great. So that's a much nicer place to be promoting something from than maybe when you're trying to sell tickets to an Edinburgh preview that oh, is a yeah, thing that's yeah, wonky yeah, yeah. and you don't know what it is yet or whatever. So I'm so proud of child labor and I, I really hope people think it's as awesome as we do yeah i can't wait to get the first set of reviews in and i mean yeah. you know, <laughs> will there you, be reviews i was course. not aware of this well don't but don't you don't people review podcasts? Oh, people do people yeah. do them on well on itunes they do but i don't you don't need to look at i won't be looking at those no i will be because anyone who's like oh why do they have to call it child labor child yeah, labor yeah, is yeah, not yeah. anything funny that's the kind of person i want should never listen to our podcast yes true well that's part of the naming of the process was to 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 establish it i think as as uh, adult you know what adult as f- firm <laughs> this is a firm podcast about parenting this thing is getting out of control here i think it's, <laughs> wheels are yeah. coming off as you you're right say. i don't think the word firm made the no. word adult, adult less and weird. firm is yes just no, 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 no 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 let's no, no. let's get out of here cindy thank you so <laughs> thank much thank you Stu. bye for now So that was me and Sindhu V discussing child labour. I don't need to do anything by way of an outro. It's clear what's going on here. But just remember to subscribe to it. Go and seek it out if this sort of thing floats your boat and uh, subscribe to it. We won't, I don't think we're having any sort of separate social media accounts for it, but we'll be using the hashtag child labour pod. And do follow me at ComComPod on Twitter and Instagram and indeed at Stu Goldsmith on Twitter. And you can follow Sindhu at Sindhu V Funny on Twitter and Sindhu V on Instagram. We're going to be doing, particularly on her Instagram, we're going to be doing some chats, some Instagram lives. That's what we're going to be doing, some Instagram lives. And also, hey, listen, once you're full to the brim with all of the uh, child labour content, Sindhu and Stu content you can cope with, don't forget the Infinite Sofa chat show. Sindhu is going to be with me on the 1st of June. She's going to co-host with me as a special treat uh, to launch Child Labour as well, to help that launch. And uh, we've got some incredible guests coming up. Rod Gilbert, we've got Alistair Beckett-King, Peter Brush. We've got Athena Kuglenu from uh, from the... uh, from her own career as well as from the stuff you just heard and we've got Josh Widdicombe we've got oh god Ian Sterling I think it's I mean it's just gonna be great so infinitesofa.com for all of your Monday and Thursday at nine chat show requirements and subscribe to Child Labour and keep listening to ComCom I'm getting some stuff out right I mean you can't tell me I'm not getting some stuff out bye for now Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.